Veronica has her sword, Tom has his laser, and I have my mind. And a mind needs books and this podcast as a sword needs a whetstone if it's to keep its edge. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support and sharpen your mind. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, oh, excuse me, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. I think that's the first time I've ever burped during the intro. It had to happen sometime in 474 episodes. You know, it just came out. Yeah. That was so surprising. Um, Mm. Excuse me. I'm sorry that it just happened in real time. Um, Well, let's, let's move on gracefully. (laughs) And um, what are you, what are you nomming this week? Well, uh, I tried to keep it down. (laughs) Hasn't come back great. Uh, today I had, you know, the Trader Joe's orange chicken. Have you ever had that? I have heard of it. Yeah. I'm so aware of it. Yes. It's breaded chicken pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard it's quite delicious. You bake it in the oven. We baked it in the Tavala so it didn't heat up the house because it's 90 degrees still in Los Angeles. Um, and you are supposed to kind of warm up the orange chicken sauce while you're baking the chicken and then you mix it all together and you've got the orange chicken. We find the sauce to be a little too syrupy and sugary. Too much. So in the past, what we've done is just use part, like half the sauce. Um, This time Eileen had the brilliant idea of making it into a dipping sauce. Oh, nice. So we did, we did some of the orange sauce as a dipping sauce. And then she also uh, put out some bulldog sauce, which is like a hot sauce and mayonnaise. Yes. So we had orange, bulldog, oh, and mayonnaise nice. dipping with our orange chicken nuggets, <laughs> basically. Uh, so you just had nuggets for dinner, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's kind of what mm-hmm. it was. Uh, and and some uh, brown rice and fish cake and gylon. Uh, gylon is, a, is a, a leafy green that we steam. Amazing. Amazing. Um, yeah, I think I actually had some of that recently. Um, is it similar to bok choy? It's... Yes, like it's a much cross thinner. between kale and bok yeah, choy. Yeah, yeah, that's that that's yeah. pretty close because it's it's a little more leafy, like a lettuce, but it's got that. that I think it's thicker, in season right now. That thicker we just bottom got some, like a bok choy. Yeah, yeah, we just got some at the farmers market this week. So yeah, it's it must good. be must be right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I did I tell you about my pumpkin spice syrup? I think you did, but did you say did, it on did the I talk show? about it on the show? Yeah, I don't that's know if what I, I talked remember. about it on the show. Yeah. Um, chat room. Tell me if, stop me if I've told you this before. (laughs) Um, I made uh, my own pumpkin spice syrup for coffee. Um, so I was, I I was influenced by the TikToks, Mm -hmm. um, and saw a number of different, uh, pumpkin spice, uh, like latte or cold foam recipes or like way to make your own Starbucks latte, pumpkin spice latte. And, um, so I endeavored to make it uh, but all the recipes called for pumpkin spice, which mm-hmm. I don't actually own. So I had to then look up how to make pumpkin spice, right. um, which included dried ginger, which I also don't own. Okay. So then I had to m- make dried ginger. <laughs> so 
I, but you didn't have any ginger, so then you had to grow I, ginger. I, I did have ginger. Oh, okay, I did good, have good. ginger. I did have ginger. So I sliced up ginger and I put it in the air fryer under the dehydrate mode. Ah, okay. Um, dehydrated that, crushed it up in my mortar and pestle, um, and then made the combination. I think it's like nutmeg, cinnamon, ginger, uh, nutmeg, cinnamon, ginger, cloves. Thank you, licorice. Licorice. <laughs> so, uh, cloves. But not licorice. Cloves licorice is, is telling you cloves. Not licorice. But don't put licorice not in anise. the pumpkin spice. Yeah. Um, just no. Yeah, you could do anise. Yeah, that would actually be kind of nice. And then you make simple syrup, and then you add those things to that. And then a quarter cup of pumpkin, which with like pureed pumpkin, which I found to be unusual because I thought that usually those things don't actually have pumpkin I think most of them, them. don't, yeah. But it was nice. Yeah. yeah, so I did that and it's been great. And so I just have a big vat of it. And every morning when Ryan makes me my my morning cappuccino, because um, he's a nice husband, um, I put a little bit of my syrup in first and it's quite, saves me, saves me a trip to to the Bucks. What are they? Starbies. That's what Starbies called. Starbies. That sounds Australian. Yeah. Starbies. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's been that's what I've been nomming. Hmm. Your homemade pumpkin spice syrup, and you made you made the simple syrup too, didn't you? Yes. Yes. I make simple syrup a lot. Um, yeah. That I one's also not that hard have been to make, mushroom foraging. It's just a one to one sugar to water. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You just boil it. I've also been mushroom foraging recently. It's tis the season. I think we talked about this last year at the same time. Um, no, we did. You're right. But lately I've been foraging. Uh, there's been a lot of um, uh, admirable bolites, which are kind of similar to like a porcini. They're part of the bolete family. Um, so similar to like a, por- a porcini. Yeah. Are there some some kind of shady bolites? Sketchy. Not, sketchy yeah, there's sketchy lots of sketchy bolites. bolites, bolites. Yeah. Um, some winter chanterelles, um, some, some regular like yellow chanterelles. Um, chanterelles. I say chanterelles. It's chanterelle. Mm. Um, no, I haven't found any hen in the forest. Um, but in terms, oh, and some what was the other one I found. <laughs> we do have cyanocen around here, um, but not. Um, I have not been harvesting that now. I see. It, is that like not allowed? No, no, it's totally fine. Yeah, totally everybody. Fine. Okay, yeah. Okay. Silabi Sy- cyanosen is the is the local. I'm hopefully pronouncing that correctly. Is the uh, the one of the more potent um, hallucinogen inducing local uh, th- it's mushrooms? It's more on the Very sword common. side of the mushroom than the laser. <laughs> correct, correct. Um, so that's been fun. The rain has just been nonstop rain, so the mushrooms have been popping um, everywhere. Yeah, drying those out too, which so you, is nice. You, you dry you out the porcinis. You move to the country. Basically, mm-hmm. rough. And I mean, not really, but you know, more, more. We country. do not have a target. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you make your own pumpkin spice syrup. You forage for mushrooms. Have you been making any of your own cheese? No, that's a really good idea, though. <laughs> you should have seen her eyes light up. <laughs> it's a good idea. Gonna have to do something this winter. So butter. <laughs> we'll Making butter is hard. Oh, butter's easy. No. No. Would churn? Butter's easy. To churn? You just shake it in a bottle, oh, dude. Oh, no. To do it the old-fashioned way is hard. Yeah. Well, don't do it the old-fashioned way. That's oh, stupid. The old, you got to do it the old-fashioned way so no, that you, you can don't. complain about it. <laughs> I've made garlic butter that way before. It's like you get really, you get like your arm hurts, yeah, yeah. but like it's really, it's delicious. Yeah, why did they I ever do, do it in the churn when you could just shake it in a jar? That doesn't make sense. Like they had jars. Yeah, it's not like jars are new. 
And and Coyote Brown mouth. says, it's 30 seconds with an immersion blender, which I also own. Yeah, <laughs> that's too. That. <laughs> but it's kind of fun to shake it, get all that aggression out on yeah. me. Uh, you can't make as much in a jar as you can in a churn. Also true. So I maybe should that. make my own butter. That's a good yeah. idea. That's fun. This is the part where Ryan will be like, butter's not hard to find. <laughs> you can't forage it's not hard for to it. Get. It's not ex- it's not prohibitively expensive right. at this time. Are you actually so, you might not even save money to make butter because the milk's so expensive. I could just add garlic to normal butter <laughs> to and it would butter. be just as good. Yeah. All right. Anyway, let's have a podcast about science fiction and fantasy, which some people for the first time are tuning in and saying, This doesn't seem like a show about science fiction and mm, fantasy, but surprise just it is. Wait. <laughs> now it is time for quick burns. Chris K. let us know that it is not too early for best of the year lists to start appearing uh, and posted the Barnes & Noble best books of the year 2023 lists for fantasy and science fiction, uh, which Chris saw on Locus. So these are just fantasy and science fiction. Barnes & Noble has them for lots of categories if you're interested. Um, Quick, Chris said, I'm happy to see Hellbent on the list. Not too surprised to see Fourth Wing, given its popularity, but here Mm. is the best of science fiction. From a certain point of view, Anonymous, uh, this is the uh, Star Wars short stories. Lightbringer by Pierce Brown. On Earth as it is on television, Emily Jane. Translation State, Anne Leckie. The Terraformers, Annalie Newitz. The Mimicking of Known Successes by Malka Older. Fractal Noise by Christopher Paolini. Starter Villain by John Scalzi, mm-hmm. Some Desperate Glory by Emily Tesh, and Starbringer from Tracy Wolf and Nina Croft. And then for Best Fantasy of 2023, we have Bookshops and Bone Dust by Travis Baldry, Hellbent by Lee Bardugo, The Hurricane Wars by Thea Guanzan, Starling House by Alex E. Harrow, Assistant to the Villain by Hannah Nicole Mayer, Thrones of the Fallen by Carrie Manisalco, Maniscalco, sorry, 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 Carrie. The Fragile Threads of Power by V.E. Schwab, A Day of Fallen Night by Samantha Shannon, Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros, and Iron Flame, also by Rebecca Yaros. Oh, I got two on the list, best of the year. That's 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 over-indexing. I don't uh, think they're the same. I don't think, is, Iron Flame isn't the the next in that it's series. It's a different series, is it? yeah, I, I think you're it right. It is. Mm-hmm. Is it? It's not, it's the no, second it's novel. it's the same. Really? It's not out yet. So they just like saw the review copy and were like, yeah, it's good. Putting it on the list. Crazy. <laughs> That's yeah, amazing. it's not. Yeah. It's. I was like, wait a second, because I know I've pre-ordered it. I'm pretty sure that's the book I (laughs) pre-ordered. Well, um, for the November pick, it's going to be a laser. And in the Discord thread that we've got going um, to to nominate stuff. And by the way, um, I know some people asked about this before. Um, Anytime you can nominate a book, you can do it on Goodreads. You can do it by email. Um, I do it on Discord because there's a lot of people there and it's an easy way to reach a lot of people at once and get good ideas. Uh, but if you can't join the Discord, don't want to join the Discord, uh, but still want to nominate books, email me, feedback at swordandlaser.com. Post it on the Goodreads. Uh, say, mm-hmm. nomination for a book pick. You can do it anytime you want, any day of the of the week, uh, any day of the year. Uh, anyway, in the conversation we've had on Discord, I said I would like to pick something from this year because we had Maureen McHugh mm. a couple mm-hmm. months ago. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a lot from this best of list uh, that are being kicked around in there. So we oh, might exciting. end up with one from one from here. We'll see. 
Yeah, I'm trying to see. I mean, there's definitely some authors we've read before, which is fine. Um, but also a lot of new ones that we have not read yet. I'll say in particular, uh, um, let's see, the Emily Jane, the Annalie Newitz, and the Emily Tesh, and the Malka Older have all been mentioned. Mm. I think the Christopher Paulina might have been too. That I can't remember though. I actually own a copy of the Terraformers. Um, ah, as started do I. it. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating coincidence. Brian says, uh, Casey Handmer dropped the latest installation in his Mars Trilogy technical commentary over on the Kin Stanley Robinson series. Um, if you haven't read the series, these commentaries would be extreme spoilers. Uh, but that's good to know, Brian, because if you have read the series, I know there's a lot of discussion about the Mars Trilogy and uh the idea of settling on Mars and its relationship to, you know, how we handle things in the climate here on Earth. Kim, Kim Stanley Robinson been giving a lot of interviews. Our, our good friend Molly Wood uh, interviewed Kim Stanley Robinson not, not that long ago uh, mm. about climate change and everything. So these are cool. Uh, these these are cool commentaries. But like like Brian says, uh, probably read the books first before reading the commentaries. Yeah. yeah. Jan pointed out that Locus Magazine notes the 2023 Utopia Award winner for Best Utopian Novel is The World We Make by N.K. Jemison. Oh, nice. Oh, that would be fun. Is this a, um, I assume, fantasy because it's N.K. Jemison? Right. Although she does both. Right. Hmm. Um. I'm going to see what they what they call. I don't know why I'm saying utopian. that. I mean, we've already read N.K. Jemisin. Utopian I'm just is looking for... usually sci-fi. That's true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. What am I thinking? Yeah, this is yeah. a sci-fi. This is this falls Sweet. more in the sci-fi side. And Very it's cool. Book two. Ah. Of ah. the Great Cities book. So. Got it. Um, Licorice uh, also says that Margaret Atwood comments on the current state of AI and its threat to writers, maybe not so big of a threat as people like to think. Take heart, she says, not all is gloom. So far, generative AI chatbots don't seem able to reflect on what they're saying, though that in itself wouldn't differentiate themselves from some actual human beings. (laughs) Also, they're bad at verbal texture, and they have a poor grasp of metaphor and sometimes even of punctuation. Well, they're learning from us, so why wouldn't that be true? Love it. So oh, she had, so I don't know if it was chat GPT or, or something else, but she had a chat bot create a poem, uh, and she gave it like, uh, the, the, um, the topic, uh, she mm-hmm. wants, uh, a, a Pele Island bird observatory related, uh, poem. Uh, it counts and evaluates the health of migratory species on an Island in Lake Erie. She lists the poem and says, you see what I mean about punctuation? Uh, I might note as well that Pele Island is not exactly a wilderness vast because it's a small island. Um, and she says, yes, I know these are minor quibbles because she has some other ones in there. And your uncle Roger writes doggerel verse like this by the yards and sends it out to you every Christmas. I point out that a chatbot replacing uncle Roger might very well happen, but dear published author, it is not yet very likely to replace you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think this is, this is, you know, there's a great, uh, there's a great podcast. Uh, I don't know if I talked about this before, um, on the Harvard business review podcast. Um, 
there's a, a gentleman on there whose name I'm forgetting right now who talks about the kind of overblown, you know, the overblown, the burst and boom cycle of of what we're in right now with AI, the trough of disillusionment, et cetera. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. The sort of like over expectation, yeah. then over disillusionment, then acceptance. Totally. <laughs> and like word. how some people are yeah. super freaked out and some people, and some people aren't seeing the true value of mm-hmm of AI. And Ryan, my husband actually talks a lot when we have these conversations about how he really feels like AI, artificial intelligence is the wrong word yes. for these, the, these tools. 10,000% um, agree. Yeah. And, and that there, the gentleman on the podcast said that there are, they're very, very good at doing very narrow, narrowly scoped work. And so, especially with a human in the loop, in terms of doing things like looking for cancer on on MRIs or you know looking for patterns in in text or et cetera, like those things great at super wonderful what a valuable tool it makes our life so much easier but there's other things that like people expect it to be also an end all be all mm. knowledge collector regurgitator like thinker and it's it's not like that we are not there yet we're not even close um so it's it's how you use it. It's another tool, um, yeah. and that's that's really what I'm where I'm netting out on this whole thing, which is good because I work in that field. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's it's. I think it's a good perspective. It's a really good point. The problem with AI as a word is that we don't have another good word for the collection of tools that are similar to each other that fall under the rubric AI that people mm-hmm. will understand if you use it. Uh, and it's that second part that really gets me, especially when doing daily tech news show stuff, which is sure I could come up with a word that encompasses these and then no one will know what I mean by it. Right. And then, then I right. have to explain right. what I mean by it. And then it's not a very useful word when you're trying to be efficient in communication. So unfortunately we're kind of stuck with AI as the collective word, but I do try to use the specific word when I can. So when we're talking yes. about chat GPT, I say large language models, uh, yeah. or I'll say a generative model, uh, a, or an mm-hmm. image generator, to kind of reinforce that point of like, this is just a model. It's just a machine learning thing. If it's a, if it is a machine learning thing, it is not an intelligence. There's no intelligence in any of these things. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's fascinating. Great discussion and love getting Margaret Atwood's commentary and thoughts on it. I really like this. She's super Super smart and this one is, is really well put together. All right, everybody. Thanks for submitting stories for our quick burns. You can do that over on Goodreads or over on Discord. Now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Terp Kristen writes in response to Veronica talking about her K-wires in the past. (laughs) I'm glad your K-wires are out. Did you save them? Did you save them? Oh, I didn't know that was an option. No, they were not given to me. Uh, Turk Kristen continues. Sorry, it was uncomfortable and painful. I've found most things that are that I've found most things are as I get older, comfortable, uncomfortable and painful. Mm-hmm. Certainly nothing like it was when I was in my 20s. I haven't really made much progress in China Mountain Zhang. I find it easy to put down, but I enjoyed y'all's thoughts on it and it made me want to read it more. Too bad it's not backlit. Thanks for keeping going with the show. One of the things I look forward to every other week, sometimes more, and I really enjoyed the interview with Felicia Day too, though I was traveling when it came out and didn't easily get to post about it. Thank you, Terp Kristen, who has been with us for most of this run. Uh, It's good to to hear from you. Thank you for still, still 
being with us. Um, I meant that I meant like listening to the podcast, not being alive, but also for being <laughs> but alive. Also for thank being you for alive. thank you for still being with so, us. So yeah, the, the, you didn't ask <laughs> you didn't ask to keep the K wires, and I'm sure if you had, they would have looked at you funny, but let you keep them. But it's probably not My something they doctor. normally offer did offer to let me keep the calcified bursa that he took out oh, of my really? towel. <laughs> now that's a good foot doctor. So, so that was a good one. Um, With he definitely my showed them teeth, to me. I have always asked, may I have them? And they've always been like, sure, I guess. Like kind of look at me weird, but then they give them to me. What did I ask for that they wouldn't give me? I asked them once f- f- to give me something. Your gallbladder? Oh, what was it? Well, I Your did keep my placenta. That's normal, um, though. That's that's fairly. That's common. pretty normal. Yeah. Um. I mean, it stayed you mean, in the refrigerator you your son, and a freezer. Not, yours. <laughs> not mine. My son's. Why does this such a comment? Like I made it. It's mine. Yeah, you I get, get to, keep to keep it. it. Why not? Anyway, um, I can't remember something medical. Anyway, not that interesting. Um, your liver. What was I talking about? What K-wires. were we talking about? Keeping your K wire. Keeping my K wire. Anyway, I don't remember. It's yeah. fine. Thank you. Well, Glad you're still William with William has something for you then. <laughs> William posted on uh, Bookstagram. Bookstadon. It's Mastodon. Just the Bookstadon instance of Mastodon. Um, in, in reference to uh, Dewey Decimated, the last podcast, he said, uh, looking forward to listening. I don't yet know the source of the episode title, but I actually used that phrase to describe myself years ago after being asked to categorize an entire library of books. I was seeing codes <laughs> when I closed my eyes. You were Dewey <laughs> That's Decimated. So That's amazing. Uh, I totally get that. <laughs> Having worked at a That's library. Great. Yes. I think I may have been Dewey Decimated myself. The University of Illinois library I worked at. Uh, used the Dewey Decimal System still when I worked there. I remember what I was going to say. It was in regard to Wait, having no, Felicia on. Um, I finished listening to Third Eye, and it was oh, great. It was really yeah. fun. Good times. Yeah, so highly, highly recommend if you want a want a fun time. Um, Sean Austin giving giving heavy uh, Patton Oswalt vibes. I would say in the in the audiobook. Um, and Neil Gaiman was just a treat as a narrator. Super fun. A- absolutely. Uh, and no, the U of I used Library of Congress. Now everybody, I think I, I switched it in my head because back then nobody used Library of Congress system and the U of I did, but now everybody uses Library of what Congress. What are you talking about? You're just, you're still talking about libraries. Cataloging systems, obviously. The other obviously. library I worked in used the SUDOC system, Veronica. Oh. The Superintendent oh. of Documents cataloging system. Which is better? Um, you know, SUDOC was pretty sensible. Like the first two letters mm-hmm. were based on actual words, whereas the Library of Congress system was just kind of. You had to memorize stuff. It was, and what's li- different between the Dewey still, Decimal System? Dewey That's Decimal numbers, is just right? kind of all over the place. It's like yeah. numbers and then some letters and then the categories don't make sense because they're not near each other. It's a mess. Hmm. Hmm. I'm like, what was right. that? Did John Dewey smoking? <laughs> oh, my God. Cardstock. <laughs> um, all right. Let's, let's check in on uh, the book of the month, which is The Library at Mount Char by Scott Hawkins. Um, this is just a check-in, so we're going to try to stay pretty, pretty spoiler free. Um, and the first one is a post on Goodreads about book vibes. And I thought this was kind of funny because I mentioned that I also got very strong vibes on this book about like feeling like other books, but not in like a, personally for me and not in like a copying way, just Mm. as a, like a vibes just vibes yeah just vibes, are, vibes, vibes are in these days everybody's talking about vibes everyone's talking about vibes um count zero or says i mentioned on the discord that this is giving me real panos cosmatos 
the director of Mandy and Beyond the Black Rainbow Vibes. Is anyone else getting that? If you're getting vibes from anything else, what kind of vibes would you say this is laying down? <laughs> and this brought me um, and Tamahome, apparently, uh, to watch the trailer for Mandy, uh, which was starring uh, Nick Cage. Um, pretty spoopy. Pretty spoopy, scary, uh, psychedelic kind of scary horror film, um, and I did. I, I see where where uh, Count Zero or maybe got those those feelings from. I didn't watch the other trailer yet, though. Tamahome suggests we watch these with you on a stream. The films, no, the, the absolutely movies. not. Yeah. No, no, that's yeah. yeah. I'm All a right. big no on that dog. Um, still don't do the horror. Steven the said horror. my main vibe was WTF. <laughs> then got a greek mythology vibe like greek mythology in the modern world vibe and trike mentioned um i won't be as inflammatory as trike was in this thread but he did mention that it was a a very similar uh storyline to uh the umbrella academy volume one apocalypse suite Mm. now i have not read the comics of um i'm a big fan of umbrella academy the netflix show but i have not watched the or read rather the the graphic novels that inspired them um, but yeah, they're, they're kids. I don't, I don't know what to say without being spoilery. <laughs> um, kids with a dad with figure pa- and, and mythological with, uh, powers infl- involved. See, so is saying that they have powers too much. Is that too much? I said is mythological powers are involved. Are I think, involved? I think you get okay. that from the Umbrella Academy trailer. So I don't think sure. that's. I'm just describing the Umbrella Academy here. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like apocalyptic style things also, happening. So telling I can't. someone a fantasy novel has mythological powers in it. It's not much of a spoiler. I think it's more of like the adopted family. Yeah. Kids. Yeah. At yeah. a young orphan at a young age, et cetera. Found et cetera. and or yeah. forced family. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. So I see that, but yeah. Um, yeah. but I don't think the vibe is necessarily the same very different vibe in my opinion definitely Um, different vibe yeah there's some structural similarities but not a vibe similarity totally Um, i really like dakato's comment was this in the discord it was yeah yeah. all the next comments are from uh two are in the same thread and the others are for the first chapter dakato said there's a real lack of description in this book i have no idea what anyone looks like what their surroundings look like i don't feel any sort of grounding in this world this is the same problem i had with gideon the ninth that made me limit i tend to lean in the direction of liking (laughs) i tend to lean in the direction of liking things to be over descriptive i'm also reading ninth house right now and i love the lush descriptions in that book this is somebody who I don't know if it's uh, if it's writing that's their doorway or if it's world that's their doorway. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is definitely something as a writer I run into where I, editors will tell me, like, you need to describe more. You need to set the you need to ground us. You need to set the setting because I don't care. I did not notice this once. Dakato's entirely right that there's a real lack of description in this book. And I didn't care. Like it may have passed my mind once of like, oh, you know what? I guess I don't really know what these people look like, but it didn't matter to me. And it never didn't does. Like my mind. When, it, when stuff gets over descriptive, and I'll say I didn't feel this way about Ninth House, even though it was much more descriptive. It didn't bother me. Sometimes when stuff gets over descriptive, I just am like, oh, can you stop? I, tell me what mm, happens. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the bookshelf looks like. I know there's a bookshelf. I don't even need to know there's a bookshelf. Just throw some books and I'll pick it up as I go along. So this is not me saying Dakato is right, wrong, or otherwise. This is me saying it's so interesting how different 
things are because Dakota's absolutely right. And I, and I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that's, it's interesting. I was, I was reading a book recently and kind of out of nowhere after like, I think it was even in the second book in a series and one character mentioned the other character's reddish brown hair. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like my whole time I had pictured him having just black hair, uh-huh, like black uh-huh, hair. And yeah. now suddenly he's like a totally different person in right. my mind. And it really messed me it up. It really throws you. Um, Tiltab, Ruth, uh, said, how strange in response to Dakato. I seem to be finding the book very visual and easy to picture. Likewise, for Gideon. <laughs> I guess it's just that way things are described here matches the way I, quote, see things. Bingo. Exactly. That's what I was talking so, about. Like, just so tell cool, me the right? books are being thrown and I'll imagine the bookshelf and everything else. You don't have to describe it to me. I think if, if I'm right, I think Tiltab's kind of like that. Like, yeah, you describe the things that are important and then my brain can fill in the rest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Tans said it mostly reminded me of Gideon the Ninth in that mismatch between the writing tone and events was the hardest thing to get used to. Another Gideon Ooh, reference. Sure. Why do you think there's so many? That's at least the, the third, or like there's been multiple Gideon references. And I'm, I think it's I'm the wondering dark, what the-, the darkness. And I think what I Tans is is hitting on here, which is it's a very light tone. Uh, especially the way the characters talk, right? The characters yes. are like, yeah, I mean, I guess Super I'll go casual. down and stick a pike through his eye later. If Carolyn especially, yeah. yeah, is very blase about yeah. everything. And so I, and I think that tone in Gideon the Ninth, I, I, I is absolutely right. Is, uh, is, I can see that is, is there as well. And it's very dark and it's very, you know, there's extreme apocalyptic dangers lurking in the background. Yeah. Tiltab also says, I'm loving it so far, so maybe I should check out House of Leaves, which is another novel that another number of people said this book reminded them of. Um, I love it when stories unfold like this, with you slowly learning about what is happening and why. I was gripped from the very start and love the way that I care about Carolyn, <laughs> even though it's clear from the get-go she'd done and will do some incredibly shady things. Yeah, this is a great one for for lovers of character. If character's your doorway, there's some good stuff here, because... Carolyn, <laughs> it, it, it's a little bit spoilery to say what Tiltab did, but, uh, so I, I won't elaborate too much on it, but, but yeah, um, there's, and Carolyn's not the only one. There's a lot of characters in this book that you're like, oh, why am I rooting for you again? Like you lured me into rooting for you. And then suddenly, no, I'm sorry. You yeah. can't say that, that, that. Ruth is spoiling by saying Carolyn's done some shady things because literally the first sentence of the first chapter is Carolyn walking down a street covered oh. in blood because she just murdered somebody. So I'm not going to okay. be no, upset no, about I'm glad spoiling you that. that yeah, Carolyn's okay. done no, that's some good. shady that's good. things. So there you go. Like you're, you're, you're even introduced. I forgot that that was the opening. Um, yeah. You're even introduced to this right off the bat. And yet you're like, oh, well, she, she must not, it must not be her fault. She, it must've been self-defense. Like it's, it's so well-written in that way that it lures you into liking characters and not again, not just Carolyn, uh, who, mm-hmm. who later you're like, okay, objectively, I shouldn't be supporting this character anymore. Yeah. Like I kind of, I don't want to be spoiled. I kind of thought David was going to come around, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You kind of keep, re- you find yourself just, and maybe it's just me and Veronica, but I found myself quietly like, oh, 
maybe I'm kind of pulling for that, you know? I, I can fix him. Maybe it's because <laughs> they are all in opposition to another thing that you're clearly thinking is evil. Right. 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 Um, yeah, maybe. Gristle McNerd says with all the grim dark and the vaguely 20th century American setting, I'm getting Stephen King vibes, which is not my favorite thing. So I'm a bit lukewarm on this so far, though it is also kind of intriguing. And that's what I was saying. Like I was getting extreme Nosferatu vibes, mm-hmm. which is Joe Hill, which is Stephen which King's is Stephen son. Which is Stephen King-ish. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was that that feeling was very similar for me in many yeah. ways. Um, so I got extreme Stephen King vibes from this novel as well. A lot of the town stuff too. Very Stephen King likes to set his stories in a smaller town or neighborhood and then really live in that neighborhood, which is definitely going on here too. Right. And feeling like nothing is really safe, like mm-hmm. anything can go wrong, yep. very wrong at any moment. Um, and then uh, Das Germ says, it's giving me American Gods vibes, which is mm. a good thing. It also reminds me a little bit of The Breakfast Club, but that may just be the main character's wardrobe and some of the personalities represented. I hadn't thought of The Breakfast Club. That's interesting. That's a fun one. Yeah, because there Motley is sort crew. of a like Motley <laughs> crew of youths <laughs> that are, yeah. you know, going on there. That's not bad. I like that, Dostrum. Slightly less wholesome. Mm. Um, slightly. Slightly, yeah. All right. I, I'm looking forward to wrapping this one up because I think it was a real, I, I, I obviously I, I have finished it already. Um, it was quite a ride and it was one of those that I, I was, I felt very gripped as well. Gripped was a good word. I, I think I do like it when a story is being unfurled or like unwrapped, like the layers of an onion and you're just trying to figure out what the heck, what is their motivation? Like, what the heck, why are they acting that way? What are they, why are they doing this? It's like, it's, it's kind of fun. It's, yeah. it's, there's a mystery involved and not all books have a mystery in them. So that was kind of, you know, a, a nice change. And I wouldn't even call them twists. But it's got turns, you know what I mean? It's got turns. You know, and they're they're very interesting turns. It's got some M. Night Shyamalanian thing, Shyamalan. (laughs) M. Night Shyamalan. I'm trying to, yeah, no, I know his name. I'm trying to say Shyamalanian Shyamalanian, yeah. Shyamalanian turns. It's got M. Night like Um, turns. M. Night like turns. There you go. There you go. Um, All right. Well, that is our show. That's it. That's Indeed. the whole show. Yay. Thank you. Thank you all for good, being with us again. Good job, again. everyone. You're the yeah. best. Um, our show is entirely funded by you, our patrons. Thank you so much to all the folks who help back us. If you want to help support the show, you can head to patreon.com slash sword and laser. And you can also support the show by buying the books through our links. Uh, those links are referrals and we get some money and they like us to disclose that. Uh, you can find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email feedback at swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram, X, and Mastodon at Sword and Laser. And all of our discussions happen on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser or over on our Discord. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.